0: You're listening to the Extraordinary Fan podcast, coming to you from the Duncastle Studio in Naples, Florida. And now your hosts, Riley and Billy.
1: Welcome to The Extraordinary mind. Fan. This is our first ever uh, podcast. We're starting it off. We're recording from Naples, Florida. We are in the Dunn Castle studio, about 15 feet from the Gulf of Mexico. And this is Billy Dunn and Riley Morse of The Extraordinary Fan. You can catch our articles on TheExtraordinaryFan.com. We also are on Facebook at The Extraordinary Fan, as well as Twitter is at... T extraordinary F and we'll have some photos up on Instagram at the extraordinary fan so as we get started tonight we just got finished watching NFL honors uh, seeing some of the Hall of Fame inductees being announced as well as some of the award winners we've got the NBA trade deadline NBA all-star game around the corner and we're taking in the Knicks Cleveland Cavs game live tonight as well as a bunch of highlights from today's college and NBA basketball. You got the Miami Heat taking down the Philadelphia 76ers, 125-102, with Hassan Whiteside, with what I can remember as his first 30 and 20 game. So uh, a lot of stuff going on tonight. But 10 in a row for the Heat. Yeah, it is number 10. It, you know, I was reading an article today about Yogi Pharrell, which, as you know, I'm I'm real excited about seeing. His opportunity kind of opened up there in the NBA and his uh, beginning there in Dallas. You know, I I wonder, and I haven't really given this too much thought or, or talked about this much, but I wonder if Yogi got that opportunity because Mark Cuban graduated from IU.
0: I didn't even know he did that.
1: Yeah, he graduated from IU. So I wonder if that was, you know, he's always had an affection for IU, goes back every year for Little Five, which is... You know, a big, big weekend there, a big party weekend. Um, and and I I just have to imagine on some level he pays attention to those guys a little bit better. I'd love to have somebody interview Mark and, and get some feedback from him on that. But yeah. amazing performance. Well, I mean, geez, this guy gets, you know,
0: an invite to go play for the Nets. And the Nets are, I believe, 29 or 30 in the league right now. And they cut him.
1: And he gets picked up by Dallas, and
0: well, think know, about in it
1: in a better culture. Look what he's doing. Well, think about it though. That Nets team, like who on there would be better than Yogi? Like right now, who would you take on that team? Other like if Yogi was on that team and you wanted to trade for somebody on that team, who else would you be trying to get other than Yogi? I can name maybe two players on the Nets and, right now. And it's probably Brook Lopez, just because he's a name and a proven yeah. entity. Yeah. Is Darren Williams still on that team. <laughs> Sadly, he's in uh Dallas. That's actually why he got that start. Right. You know, Darren went down with the injury and he was supposed to be a backup point guard. They suffered another injury which uh, unfortunately I can't remember who that was, but uh that took him on a 10-day contract to a starting point guard, Jeremy Lynn. See, <laughs> <laughs> no, he's also no, not no on that he's team. not there. <laughs> Jeremy yet. Lynn's actually in uh Brooklyn. I forgot um, about the Nets. But but uh you know the funny thing was though, this article and uh, forgive me, I think it was CBS Sports that put it out. Happened to see it on Facebook today, but they were talking about how is Yogi going to be the new insanity? Is he the guy that bursts on the scene and creates this whole uh, hysteria? And uh, for but, a week at least, yeah, <laughs> you know. And now they're saying that the, that Dallas is forfeiting this uh, option to sign him to a second ten-day ta- contract and sign him to a two-year deal. Whoa! So he's going to go from I believe I don't remember what the ten-day contract numbers were, but um, he's going to have a guaranteed five hundred and thirty thousand dollars or something like that for the rest of this year, and then he would pick up the next year option, which I believe is going to end up being a player option. So they'll be on the hook for that regardless, no matter what they choose to do with him. And I believe that's for in between one point five and one point six million. So to go from a ten-day contract guy who was NBDL and and uh, you know, I, I kept hearing that he was probably going to go overseas because the kid can play, and he absolutely can make money. But um, this looks like obviously a great situation. I got to imagine the owner is excited about this, uh, just with his IU ties. But man, how often does that happen? Where the
0: guy who's the the ten day call up, you know, lasts one or two ten day contracts and then gets an actual deal? Yeah, that's that's pretty
1: pretty crazy. You want to know the last one? Was he for the Heat? So Hassan Whiteside, you know he, <laughs> yeah. You go back in time, and one of the great mistakes that the Kings and the Grizzlies ever made, which in all fairness, Hassan was not the same player that he was when he began with the Heat. You know he sure. left he left the Grizzlies. I don't know if you remember the story, but he left the Grizzlies and they they cut him. You know they signed him to a ten day deal, and I believe they cut him a couple days early on the ten day deal. So he's a free agent. The uh, Heat pick him up, started giving him some opportunity, and. You know the Heat just have a developmental process that's different than any other team in the league. That's fairly obvious to see, and they graduated him right. up through there, and now he's a hundred million dollar contract player, uh, who, as I mentioned at the at the top of the show, thirty twenty. Yeah, that's unbelievable, <laughs> um, man. And then you you know you move on to some other action going on tonight in the NBA uh, with the Cavs and Knicks, and we we switched off this. I need to go back to this game, but. It's a 13 point game now. They were up by 26 points uh in the late third quarter and now we have 558 left in the fourth. It's a 13 point game. I started to discuss with you, if you look at those two rosters, there's no question Cavs have a better roster. But the Knicks in comparison, it's not that big of a drop off. I mean, when you have Noah and Carmelo and you've got Derrick Rose and Brandon Jennings, and Courtney Lee. these are proven quantities and entities in, in the league that you know are more than serviceable. I'm not gonna use all-star, but they're very strong non-all-stars.
0: Well, don't use what Derek Rose called them as a super team in the summer, but I agree their overall talent level has a lot of proven guys, not not just a bunch of young up and coming uh, you know, question marks. Porzingis is he looks great. He's amazing. And Derrick Rose has been serviceable. Carmelo looks like he's going
1: to be traded at some point. They're they're working that hard. You know, I got to ask you though, if you're if you're Dolan and you own the Knicks, what do you do with Melo? If I was him,
0: I wouldn't I wouldn't try to trade him. I don't care what the Clippers are offering. He's he's still got a couple of years on the contract, and what value are you going to get back that's going to change? You know, being in a
1: seven or eight seed in the East. And, and the problem I think that you end up with is. There's nothing that you're going to bring back that's going to give you value. You can't get draft picks out of him because there's he, he's got the no-trade clause. He's not going to take a trade to a team that's a non-playoff team. Yeah. Total would, control. Now, there is one caveat to that, and that's if they were to hook up with the Boston Celtics. Celtics are going to be a playoff team. They're going to be a strong, probably yeah. a three-seed, maybe a two. And with that being said, they own those two picks from Brooklyn. So they're going to have a top-five pick. The way it's looking, it's probably gonna be a top two or three pick, um, for the for the next couple of years, um, from that terrible, terrible KG and Paul Pierce trade. Yeah, that's that's some big money that they can use for a variety of different reasons. But you you gotta you gotta look at that. What does that team look like? Isaiah Thomas, Carmelo. Man, they're two in the East right now. Yeah, but so do you need to make that move? No. And, and but here's the reality. Jay Crowder. Is, I mean. No, and he's rugged. I I like him. He's a hustler. He's very effective, great defender, um, and oddly versatile guy that you don't think could score outside but does. Um, My problem with the NBA right now is, and that's why I don't blame the 76ers for what they've been doing, look at any team, and and we'll include the Celtics in this, what move can you make that you feel confident going up against the Cavs in a seven-game series? I mean, who is it that's actually available that you can actually make a deal? I, I just don't see the point. I don't see the benefit in it unless it's time to blow it up. And that's why I'll transition you to the next team. Let's move
0: on. I agree.
1: Chicago Bulls. What do you do there? I love D. Wade. Nightmare. You know that. Um, But the reality is is they're they're not going anywhere. They're having so much dysfunction, and you have... Value. You've got Wade. You've got Jimmy Butler's sky high value, another guy the Celtics have had a lot of interest in. And then you've also got Rondo sitting there, which if a team needs a veteran point guard and they've got either a team that doesn't have a whole lot on it, where he can be the guy that dictates most of the action, uh, he can be a real asset. But there's that danger zone with him too, where, you know, the, the, the non-on-court stuff, you know, all the all the emotional stuff, the sideline stuff, the locker room stuff. And then certainly, uh, you know, he took to social media and kind of took down Jimmy Butler and D. Wade over the last couple of weeks. Well, so look he, at
0: him last year, man. In the Kings' system, he led the league in assists per game. Who's more dysfunctional than the Kings' organization? And I can't recall this kind of drama coming from that club last year to this year, focused around Rondo specifically.
1: And that's with Boogie. Right. I mean, how he, he's a story every single week. So I read this morning that there are reports out there that are talking about sending Boogie to Phoenix. Sending Boogie to Phoenix, keep in mind, they'd be pairing him up with Booker, Eric Bledsoe, Brandon Knight. What do all those guys have in common? Kentucky. Right. And they said that there's a level of confidence they have in in, in surrounding him with Kentucky alumni players. Big blue. And uh, Rondo was another one of those guys. And you wonder, is there some sort of symbiotic you know, relationship that made that okay because of that Kentucky tie? I don't know. And maybe that's a little bit too touchy-feely to assume, but the reality is um, you just got to believe there's something there that there's something there that is controlling both of those guys when they're together. And I, I, I like the idea of having Rondo and Cousins together.
0: Yeah, hey, I think that there's something there with the level of connection for the players that play for Kentucky and the fans for Kentucky. It's kind of a different thing than, you know, majority of, of fans uh, of any kind. Kentucky's a a...
1: a <laughs> More, more or less a religion. It absolutely is. And, I mean, I grew up in Indiana where IU basketball is much the same way. IU in Kentucky, Sure, obviously huge rivals. And uh, so I can appreciate a lot of that. But I will tell you, uh, when you, when you look at this setup, the one thing you fear about making a trade like that for Cousins, and you'd have to give up some draft picks, you'd have to give up P.J. Tucker and some guys that they feel really good about to get Cousins, which obviously is small in comparison to what you're bringing back in Cousins. But you're taking on a big risk, and the last time you ran all these Kentucky players together, do you remember what team that was? And now you're a little bit younger than me, so you might not remember this. Uh, I'm going to say I don't remember. Uh, you're going to look back to a Rick Pitino coached Boston Celtics team where he drafted Ron Mercer, Walter McCarty. Um, I mean, he... and later brought in Rondo. But that that was a team where they started piecing, wow. and, and not to mention Antoine Walker. Late 90s? Um, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, you're looking at Ron Mercer ended up with the Bulls um, in the early 2000s, so it had to be late 90s yeah. that they put that together. But you're talking about three of their best players and Ron Mercer, Walter McCarty, and Antoine Walker. And Patina was trying to bring that sort of relationship too. And obviously didn't pay big dividends. Um, I forget. Did, all... B- did Patino coach Kentucky? Yeah, that's yeah, amazing. <laughs> it's amazing, right? Now that he's uh, in Louisville, um, it, you know that fan base completely left him. And when you talk about Man. Kentucky basketball, that's one of the first thing I think about is Patino. In fact, I think of Patino well before I think of uh, Calipari, and and maybe that's my age more than anything else. But uh, sure, you know that's kind of what's going on in basketball right now, but uh, are you excited about the All-Star game at all?
0: You know, it's, this is the first year that I can remember as 28-year-old person where Kobe Bryant's not going to be a part of it. Kobe was a big part of me becoming a fan of the sport. Obviously, he's an amazing athlete. He does um, rank very highly on the all-time list. He's not going to be a part, even though handful of times last few years he hasn't because of injury, but to say that I'm excited, I would have to say no. Like the talent, the roster, I'm sorry, is is kind of lacking in my opinion. Um, even though we do have a lot of superstars in the league, they're not doing anything that makes me make sure that I want to stay tuned. Uh, you know, if I catch it on DVR, that's okay. But nothing special. We know who the best players in the league are, you know, top fours, five, and, um, you know, just another weekend in February.
1: Well, I'll tell you this. I kind of feel the same way, and, I, you know, you talked about Kobe, and you got Kobe, um, Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett. These are guys that were aging in their careers, weren't, you know, really in the All-Star game, but were around the All-Star game. That star power was there. And though those guys may be present, there's something about them not being in the league. And that that whole thing is gone. That era is now, it feels dead. And Kobe was kind of the nail in the coffin for that era, I think. Right. And uh, to, to then end up losing KG and Tim Duncan kind of quietly after all the fanfare of Kobe, it felt like we kind of got robbed of that celebration of those guys, which would have been nice with this swan song uh, year without Kobe. To Then have KG and Tim Duncan and Ray Allen and uh, so many guys like that. It's, it's really amazing to see the loss, but then you've got it compounded too. You've got, you know, the fan vote put Joel Embiid in. But, I would have loved to see him play. And I, I don't know who
0: wouldn't have wanted to see him. If this. he's healthy, he should play.
1: Absolutely. In the All Star Games, perfect for him. You're talking about a guy that's playing 20 to 25 minutes a night now, but. And I wish. You know, you may be able to pull this up. But the P, the PER rank, ranking, th- that kid's got to be high in the league. He's playing he's 27 not, minutes right, a game. And every time I look up, he's running, you know, 20 and 10, 20 and 12. Right. I mean, the kid's killing it. And he's doing so on this, you know, abbreviated, oh, man, we got a loss by Kentucky to Florida tonight. Whoa. Wow. Number eight ranked Kentucky that just lost to Kansas last week now loses to number 24, Florida. You got Baylor well, down to Kansas State. Yeah,
0: not only Kentucky. Look at that. Oh,
1: man, you've got six of the top nine teams in the country lost today. Ties the record for any day. That is a uh, that's a huge shift. March that, Madness in,
0: in February, baby. Absolutely. That's what we got.
1: Man, you just wonder what what is what is March going to look like? You know, unreal. There, there's no real powers. Hey, um,
0: I'll tell you you. Asking me about if I'm excited for this All Star Game, more than anything, excited for Ice Cube's three on three street ball ish league that comes out in June.
1: Yeah, and you know the crazy thing? Why are you excited?
0: Well, because it's all the people that I've watched my entire life. And I get to see cho- uh, white chocolate, and you know all the guys that. We wish we could still see on the court today. AI.
1: I'm, I'm hoping Baron Davis gets back in there. I want to see Marbury. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, this could be... Baron Davis? Th- this really could be a very interesting thing. And th- they may have hit the tip of the iceberg. And I know it's impossible for me to prove this, but I promise you I've said this for a while now, is that they needed to do something with the retired players. I thought it would be cool to do it with Olympic basketball, where you could have put, you know five or six retired players, newly retired players out with five or six of the extremely young up-and-coming players, I thought that would have been a great mix, hmm. the guys coming out of college, maybe rookie or second-year guys in the NBA, team them up with, with older guys that were leaving the NBA. I thought, and maybe that's in a way to make it more fair so those games are more interesting, but really, I just thought it'd be cool to see those guys again, see their effect, Um but yeah, I feel like we're losing this era of basketball, which through Ice Cube's thing, it seems like we're getting a second shot at.
0: Well, and with it being three on three, and you know the guys are a little bit older, they can still put on a show, and they don't have to be, you know, in shape as much as the others going up and down ninety feet. They're they're half court. You no, know,
1: it's crazy though. If you see the guys that they're talking about putting in the league, and you see the pictures of them, they all look like they're in great shape. They kept really good care of themselves. Sure. And then you get these pictures of these videos that keep popping up on Facebook and Instagram of uh, White Chocolate just killing it in these pro-am leagues. Like, I can't wait. i got to tell you, every time that thing pops up and you see the top ten career highlights for Jason Williams, man, and and I'm talking Caucasian (laughs) Jason Williams, that unbelievable, man. The
0: non-murdering Jason Williams.
1: Yeah, well, non-murdering, non-motorcycle wrecking Jason Williams. (laughs) Make that clear. Jay Williams. (laughs) Right,
0: right. I saw him last night on NBA TV with Kevin Garnett, or TNT with Kevin Garnett showing the art of the elbow pass. Yeah, I
1: saw that clip too. The uh, it was really cool. What's that? The KG's? What do they call that? The
0: area uh, area, area twenty one.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's a great spot too. They they he always gets guys in there, talks to them on a real level, which I think is good. And he's so intense and blunt with everything that I think everybody's kind of relaxed there. So. Those guys kind of let loose a little bit. So I guess his, like his
0: attitude that. is awesome with, with all the guys back in the
1: studio and whoever is his guest. He genuinely does not care, though. Right. Like, if they just shut it down, he, he'd go do something else. Didn't bother him at all. Where Barkley, I think, enjoys that fanfare and hysteria and, and all that kind of stuff as well. Um, and I guess maybe to close out some of this NBA conversation, since I did just mention Barkley, I guess we got to touch on the. LeBron Barkley saga a little bit. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, who, who is going to say,
0: honestly, whatever Charles Barkley and his comments were about LeBron and LeBron's intention for what he said about getting more talent, a playmaker, et cetera, on the roster, who can disagree with him? LeBron has been spoiled since he came back to Cleveland. He, he left as a redheaded stepchild. He came back and he's been praised. And he delivered a championship they've never had. He's been given everything he wants.
1: Well, and some of the stuff that people don't realize, and it, you know, it, this is a weird topic to discuss anymore because when you look at this, I'm 36 years old, man. When I look at this, I'm thinking uh, Michael. You know, I'm thinking this is this era is Michael. And when you think about Michael, and maybe it maybe it is just too unfair to compare and contrast, but the reality is. Michael didn't want you to know there was any weaknesses. Michael himself wouldn't have admitted there was weaknesses. And though he would have absolutely, and I'm positive of it, he would have absolutely ranted and raved and threw a fit with management behind closed doors, the last thing he would ever want is any opposition to think that he was inferior, his team was inferior, or they might not be capable. So when you get into this, and I know that's part of what Chuck Coming with
0: sure,
1: but there's part of that that just unnerves me. And we talked about this the other day. But what happens if they go out and get that playmaker in Cleveland and that playmaker tears an ACL, tears an Achilles there's soon no after? Excuse. So, but now LeBron's already come out, so we can't win without. So, you sign the guy, you lose the guy. Now, what's everybody in that locker room thinking?
0: Oh, we're done. LeBron says we can't win without that.
1: There's not this overriding confidence. Because last year it was us against the world. We're up against the 73-win Warriors. We can do anything. This year it's, well, the 73-win Warriors have Kevin Durant, and now I need an extra playmaker. If I don't get one, we're not going to win. I just I don't like the way it sounds publicly. I'm not saying that it's wrong. I think any of us would say you want to have all the ammo you can, but by the same token, is it is it right for the team? Is it right... You know, everybody's got a role. There is a general manager. There is a president of operations. There's an owner. And you're the star player. And you've got your role within that. But the one thing that he's not getting any flack for, and it surprises me, but this is the difference between Cleveland LeBron and Miami LeBron, is Cleveland LeBron came back and said, I need a third star. I need the third star. Do whatever you got to do, get the third star. Much like the rant, rant that he's got now, where he's saying he needs this extra playmaker. Poof, Kevin Love. And what did you lose in Kevin Love? Num- Andrew Wiggins. A number one overall draft pick. and A 6'7", yeah. long, great shooter. A playmaker. Insanely athletic playmaker. A guy who can get his shot on his own. Tell me who on the Cavs right now outside of Kyrie and LeBron, can get their shot on their own. That's it. J.R. Smith is on the bench uh, with a broken thumb. So I'm going to tell you right now, they they sacrificed too much. And they didn't need to because in, in the short term, did they need Kevin Love last year?
0: Uh, Kevin Love was barely present last year.
1: And Tristan Thompson really... Till the playoffs. Yeah, and he had some good showings in the playoffs, but I, I got to believe they had enough outside of that to make that run. He just wasn't enough of a factor for me to be loyal to that idea. And he's been
0: great this year.
1: Yeah, and there's no question. He's a good player. I just don't know that he fits in that lineup. They found a way to to give him more of a role this year, I think, and there's more of a concerted effort to get him involved early. If you watch these Cleveland games, he normally has 10 points, 8 points going into the half. So they've done a good job of going to him early. I think he's done a better job of hitting the boards. But if it's me, I'd rather be playing Tristan Thompson LeBron at the four, and I want Wiggins out there. That would be amazing. And you talk about a long-term growth pattern, to have LeBron aging with Tristan Thompson, Wiggins, and Kyrie Irving. That's a lineup that I want.
0: That, that's a bunch of slashers and playmakers with anybody who's serviceable center. Even a Mozgov like they had last year. You know, in the East, you can get to the Finals.
1: Well, think about the Bulls. I mean, I hate to keep going back to this, but, I mean, Bill Wennington, Luke Longley.
0: All white guys that are just okay.
1: And, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. When you surround them with the guys that you do, you need people that can fill those roles. And when you have dynamic players, because right now, what is the upside on Kevin Love? Have we seen the ceiling? I think so. I think so, too. And you're paying him max money. What's What are you paying Wiggins right now? Not paying him max money. And that ceiling contract. is... And that ceiling is crazy high. We haven't even come close to seeing what that is. Now, much like Jordan and Pippen, where people will tell you Jordan built Pippen in a lot of ways, LeBron with Wiggins. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the effect? Growing together from a
0: young age of Wiggins and under his wing, I mean, Wiggins is... Similar builds to be honest, he's six nine. Without the
1: weight, he's not. He doesn't. He doesn't have the yeah, weight. He's cause not a man child yet, but he he's got a kg frame and a six seven body. Yeah. Uh, but he he's wiry strong and he's, I mean, he's quick and he can shoot and some of this these athletic plays going to the bucket. I mean, pretty amazing. I just you know, it amazes me as we sit here in this hypercritical world, and we want to slam Charles Barkley and we want to slam LeBron for his public comments, how do we not go back to facts? Like, why would you have, you sacrificed future for Kevin Love? Is one ring enough? And that's the one thing he got to ask. In is, Cleveland, and maybe. Cleveland, he, yeah, and, you know, he made sure to not make that same mistake that he did in Miami. Right. Not four, not five, not six, not seven, not eight. But he made sure to say, I'm going after the one, and then we'll see what happens after that. And you know what? And that's fair. I'll give him that. But he should have approached everything like that. There's a... Uh, yeah, what did you say? Win one for the land? Yeah. So You got one. Now what? <laughs> now you need more playmakers, yeah, LeBron. Yeah, now you need playmakers. It. it it's surprising to me. And Do I think that team needs somebody like those Laker teams had Lamar Odom? Somebody off the bench that was amazingly versatile. Could do things a lot like a poor man's LeBron. Iguodala. Yeah, there's a lot of the and I get what he's saying, but you can't be the best player in the world, pound your chest, you're the best player in the world, and say I need help. You just, you know, he's not Russ. Like Russ needs help. We know Russ needs help. He's doing everything he can. If Russ asks for help, we all get it. LeBron can't ask for help, man. There's
0: five former All Stars on his roster right now: Richard Jefferson, J.R. Smith, Kyrie, LeBron, Kevin Love.
1: And you got Tristan Thompson that's got to be fringe. Corver. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, Corver geez. was an All Star as well in Atlanta. Right, that's six. Uh, so yeah, it's really amazing to me that it's an embarrassment of riches. I mean, the guy's got everything. Yeah. But don't get me wrong, I get it. Everybody should want more, and he's going up against a seventy three one team that added an MVP. I get that yeah. too, but again, I don't like the positioning of I'm the best player in the world. Pound my chest hey, I need a little bit more help. I just... That's difficult to to digest, I guess. Um, All right, Billy. Enough about LeBron.
0: I think that maybe we should take a little break, come back, recollect ourselves, and talk about NBA Mid-Season Awards.
1: Mid-Season? I I got some thoughts
0: on that. I think, you know, as we approach All-Star Weekend, uh, coming up here next weekend... um, you know, who's who's standing out? Who deserves to be recognized? Who is actually performing higher or not as high as, as they should be. Um
1: I've got a cur- I got a couple curveballs for you within that too. Okay. But okay, well um, let's
0: let's take a break. Let's let's go have a drink. What are you drinking tonight?
1: Um, well, started off in one direction, now we're we're taking a zag the other direction. Started off with Goose Islands three one two. Uh for those that don't know about it. Mm. And I and I know it's going in more places nationally. When I was in Chicago, big Cubs fan at Wrigley Field, uh, having to visit the Goose Island Brewery there, and they have, uh, they had a new beer called 312. About the same time, Blue Moon was blowing up as well. And 312 is a similar flavor to what Blue Moon offered, a little bit lighter, it's not as, quite as heavy of a beer, and to me, a little bit better flavor. doesn't require the orange that Blue Moon does, yeah. uh, but, it, but it tastes good with it if, if you'd like that as well. They, they dubbed that a wheat ale, yeah. Right? That's right. It, but it does... If you like Blue Moon, um, but you enjoy drinking a little bit more of it, uh, 312 helps you do that. Kudos. Kudos. Uh, what do you got?
0: Well, you know, I'm I'm a fan of all beers. I'm an Irishman. I don't care what I'm drinking, but I do prefer certain things. First beer of the night, um, I'm going with an IPA. I have the Dogfish Head 60 Minute IPA. It's delicious. I've stocked your fridge with a handful um you got a t- chance to try it what do you think
1: um it's good i i like you know i'm a fan of the goose island ipa that is smooth and still has that hoppy nature to it and this is very similar this is an uh a pale though too correct
0: yes it's not
1: overwhelming
0: like some ipas are right well
1: it, and i'm okay with the, the ipas the pales normally give me because it's it's a it's a sharp kind of bitter finish yeah. this isn't because it's an ipa it's got that bold hoppy nature to it um so yeah i i'll tell you for a pale whether ipa or not i'm surprised that i like this as much as i do it's actually really good and it's still lighter so it's it's refreshing at the same time Um, okay
0: that's great dude i'm happy to hear that all right so let's take a little break here now I think uh, maybe we'll have another beer and uh, cheers and a toast. Come back and, and wrap things up, what you say?
1: Yeah, and I will, I'll, I'll tell you this, and we'll just give a shout-out to uh, uh, the first sponsor of The Extraordinary Fan. That's The Bar. It's in uh, Clifton, Illinois, um, owned by my brother, Steve Dunn. Um, drink specials, you can check them out on Facebook. Uh, really cool environment there, great vibe. Uh, they do have brand-new video gambling machines as well as pool table and uh, all the TVs that you need to watch all the necessary games especially with the Super Bowl coming up this weekend so if you're in Clifton uh, Kankakee or the surrounding area is a great place to go check out but we'll head on to break and we'll be back in just a couple of minutes with the next topic
0: Studio in Naples,
1: Florida. And now, back to the guys. Alright, well, uh, welcome back. Uh, took a little brief intermission. Decided to enjoy uh, another round. Cheers. Uh, heading into the second half of our podcast tonight. Enjoying uh, these dogfish head uh, IPAs. are delicious. Um, but we promised you we were going to have uh, we we're going to conclude our NBA conversation with a little mid-season award, um, and not necessarily as much award as we just want to run through, you know, our predictions, what we see so far. And uh, Riley, I'll let you go ahead and and start it off.
0: Well, yeah, I think, you know, we were pretty heavy in the first half hour on the NBA, so we can kind of keep this light and brief. We've talked about as we're approaching the half point in the NBA season, actually a little beyond that who's standing out, so we want to give out, you know, a couple of awards uh, in the typical categories with maybe one or two, a little different, with the gold, silver, and bronze awards, so... Yeah, Olympic um, style. There you go, there you go. So let's begin with, uh, of course, number one, the Most Valuable Player Award, and this one's going to be pretty tight, I feel like, down the stretch, so at this point in the season, I have to rank... Uh, Westbrook as number one, the guy's just doing everything for his team. Harden, number two, doing a lot of the same Westbrook stuff, but um, even with a better record, I I don't think he's as valuable to his team as Westbrook. And number three, got to go with LeBron James.
1: Yeah, you know, we think very similarly in this regard. When we were putting this together, (laughs) I must have had one too many of these IPAs because, you know, I was saying Westbrook and Harden for a lot of the same reasons, their numbers individually are absolutely insane, and if you go back classically throughout all of NBA history, I mean you just don't see seasons like this. Certainly not two at the same time. Um, I threw in Kawhi uh, at number three, and then I actually put as honorable mention LeBron. And it's funny that I did that mainly because, you know, looking at at, a st- at some statistics this week, do you realize LeBron's averaging twenty six points per game? I think it's twenty five point six, uh, eight and a half assists and eight rebounds. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah, and he's not being mentioned in MVP races. <laughs> like this is gonna be the first time ever you have somebody with those sort of statistics on what is probably the second or third best record in the NBA, yeah. and certainly the best record in the East. Odds-on favorite to go into the finals from the Eastern Conference, and nobody's talking about it. So we're right. talking about the drama surrounding it, but not the production.
0: And it's like if you just eat delicious tacos every single day, <laughs> every single year, you're going to get sick of those delicious tacos and be like, yeah, let me go a different direction.
1: Well, and, the, you know, <laughs> the, that's a lot of people feel like that's how Derrick Rose got an MVP award, is they didn't feel like giving it to LeBron anymore. Hard to argue. So, uh, Yeah, so, I mean, we might be a little bit washed out on LeBron uh, from that standpoint. So next topic, we're out to... Uh, Uh, Next award is Rookie of the Year, uh, Gold, Silver, and Bronze. This is a little bit weird because, you know, the rookie season is is the longest season because these kids are just not used to this. Um, However, one of them is because Joel Embiid, though, was drafted the year prior. This is the first year that he's actually played. That's who I have as my gold recipient. Second one is going to be Brogdon from uh, Milwaukee. kids, vicious, surprisingly athletic can shoot the ball can handle super versatile that Milwaukee team is crazy and very very versatile all the way up and down the roster. And then the last one, I kind of defaulted here. there's just there's not been a ton of standout rookies, not to say that they've been bad, but when you're talking about you know era changing uh, era leading players coming out of the draft, I just don't think we had very many in this draft. Especially Ben Simmons been laid up so far this year, sure, so my third my bronze would be Jalen Brown for the Celtics. I saw this kid play at the city of Palms tournament for Myers uh when he was in high school in raw athleticism, seemed to have a little bit of an attitude problem, which now his year at Cal seems to have kind of smoothed out. He's matured um and playing for uh, Brad Stevens over there. It looks like he's kind of got the uh, right coach for his personality, but yeah, those are my three, yeah that's a good
0: team uh. You know, agreement on your first two picks. Embiid has had a wonderful, wonderful season. Kind of a surprise, to be honest. You know, just looking at what the 76ers have had with their number one picks, uh, nothing really standing out so far. Injuries, obviously, are kind of key to that. But Embiid's had an amazing season. Brogdon uh, is also my number two. Um, He's playing very well. Very, you know, spot-on shooting guard. Guy can do it all, and my third, I actually wrote down the other guy on the Seventy Sixers as my Rookie of the Year bronze participant because I couldn't think of his name. It's a uh, Saric, Dario Dario Saric, yeah. I think, is his actual name. Seventy Sixers have an abundance of young guys, and
1: um, they all seem to be like six eight to like six eleven. Yeah, like it's all of them. Like even Ben Simmons, I think, is six eight. So it's like all these guys believe in
0: the process, man. They're they're doing what they need to do to become relevant again. What do you think so. of
1: Embiid stealing the name? Because now he's nicknamed himself the Process.
0: Good for him. Yeah, I guess. He's I hope it works out. Thing. If he gets a knee surgery, it's better than you know, be calling ACL surgery. Right. He's known as the Process now. So good for him. Moving to the next category, Sixth Man of the Year. My rankings read as so: Gold goes to Lou Williams, six man for the Los Angeles Lakers. Jamal Crawford, I think, three time recipient of this award now. Number two, it's silver, and then uh, Eric Gordon as my bronze participant for the Rockets. He's had a really good year.
1: What do you think? Yeah, you know, mine. I feel like I'm, I'm uh, behind on on these picks, mainly because I've had I would have some adjustments to be made. Since I actually wrote all these down, uh, gold, I went with what I think we probably ought to just rename the award, the Jamal Crawford Six Man of the Year Award. Uh, <laughs> so I feel like he's the gold. Uh, silver, and this is the one I have a little bit of issue with now, is Ennis Cantor. Now, Cantor's been a great ah. six man. He just made a really bonehead move by punching a chair he and breaking himself. his forearm. Right? Do you realize how hard you have to punch a chair to break your forearm? God. I, I mean, it's <laughs> a ridiculous injury. Um, and then the last one I, I put on here was um, Zach Randolph, which... Zebo. Man, you talk about the all-time changes in your personal history. Like, he went from, and keep in mind, he's from Indianapolis. I, I know members of his family, played basketball with his cousin, actually worked with his cousin Hilton Randolph in Indianapolis. Um, really interesting how he went from being viewed as a thug in Portland... To this rough and tumble, hard worker community guy in Memphis, and has literally built I mean, they've built a philosophy around him to the point that their arena is nicknamed the Grindhouse. I mean, this is really Zach Randolph's nature that has brought this. I mean, Zach has never left the ground by more than two inches, (laughs) but he's played power forward and brilliantly so for a long time. Um, extremely skilled guy, but that's who I have as my bronze. The reason why I feel like I'm behind is because, to be truthful with you, I would remove Cantor now. I'd I'd move Randolph up to to second, and I would also put Eric Gordon in as my bronze. Okay. So uh, I 100% agree. That's fair. another IU guy that that <laughs> I'm that I'll always back. But moving on to the next award is Defensive Player of the Year. Um, obviously, a lot of a lot of people to put in this category, but Limiting it down to uh, gold, I think it's Kawhi. I think it's really easy to say that he's probably your best two-way player in the league right now. Um, you could probably, <laughs> um, you know, put Westbrook and LeBron obviously in that same sort of discussion. But certainly on defense, those big hands, that that long wingspan, incredibly athletic, and just very disciplined coming out of that San Antonio system seems to be really working well for him. Uh, Silver, I gave Marcus. So I think that more or less is a default. Um, he seems to just always get all the rebounds that you need him to get Great plays great position defense and always gets the blocks that would be necessary to win that award and then bronze look we're here in South Florida uh, we lost D Wade we gotta have something to root for I'm gonna be a little biased and say my guy Hassan Whiteside I, I got the opportunity to uh, be at the the Espies this year and met Hassan uh, nice guy um You know, he's very personable and really wants to be the face of that franchise. And it would be really nice to see him get an award to kind of sustain himself. Um, So I I would put him as bronze right now and hope that that pissed him off just a little bit to maybe work a little bit harder and get up to that gold status. But what would you have? I
0: like that choice. Uh, He's not on my list, but if you look at a player who truly does... Focus on defense and loves to play defense and makes it more of a priority than anything. Hassan is is got to be up there. I mean, you see him with his blocks and he's trying to work on not blocking the shot into the third row,
1: keeping it in bounds. He's he's doing really well. He's he's improved from last year. It's the old Bill Russell, you know, theory is sure. if I block the ball and keep it, you know, as a possession for us, you know, that's a lot better than putting it into the stands yeah, and you get a rebound too. Absolutely. <laughs>
0: So my player of the year, uh, as of right now, gold, has got to be Draymond Green. He's finished second in the the voting the last two years in a row to, guess who, Kawhi Leonard. Uh, I think Draymond, being that he's now considered more than ever a fourth wheel on the team, uh, has really dug in deep, and he's playing well as the defensive captain. Number two goes to Rudy Gobert out of the Utah jazz uh this guy's a freak from France seven foot one blocks everything um can't shoot foul shots really, but he dunks everything too and gets twenty five rebounds uh this guy's really talented
1: and he's super young like these guys keep coming out of the woodwork right like Hassan and Colbert like it just feels like seven footers they're not everywhere, but the ones that we got have never been highly touted they just have come out of nowhere, and burst onto the scene for for
0: for sure. I, I mean, Gobert's name three years ago nobody knew, even though he got drafted. You know, three years ago, uh, development Utah Jazz give him credit.
1: That was a French national played on the Olympic team with Tony Parker. There you go.
0: Number three, Player of the Year defensively, I uh, have Kawhi Leonard, which is certainly understandable. He is the claw. He is both ways. Uh, one of the best players in the league next category gold we vote on most improved player from last year and uh, my star would be Giannis Antetokounmpo Antetokounmpo it's all right I don't want to yeah. forget a syllable yeah
1: one of the one of the two of us was gonna mess that name <laughs> up
0: uh, he's Mr. Do-It-All he's leading the Bucks. they're beating teams they shouldn't uh, the guy is also very talented both ways And uh, they call him the Greek Freak for a reason. After him, Silver, I give it to uh, Jokic from Denver. Just had a triple-double last night. Saw that, yeah. Guy's uh, playing really well. He also can do it all. Number three, uh, most improved, I'm going to give it to, maybe this is somewhat hometown, but uh, D'Angelo Russell from the Lakers. Um, Improved his game as a rookie to a sophomore year more effective, more responsible with the ball. I like what I'm seeing.
1: Yeah, on the uh, D'Angelo Russell uh, tip, I would say it kind of helps when you don't have to give up 28 shots to a 40-year-old shooting guard. You're right. (laughs) uh, uh, And I will acknowledge the fact that I do think that's a little bit hometown. uh, But then again, I did just give Hassan a pass and put him in there, though Hassan plays very terrible team defense. Uh, Moving on to the most most improved player for me, uh gold uh i agree with you uh onto is definitely the standard right now the guy's a swiss army knife right like it doesn't matter what you need from the guy he seems to provide it and the odd thing is the entire team for some reason brogdon included they're all starting to look alike and i don't mean physically but the game like they all <laughs> do everything up and down and it it just seems like the entire team a 6'7", or 6'8", and they can all rebound, they can all shoot, they can all bring the ball up the floor. It's insane. My silver is Rudy Gobert. You acknowledged him in the Defensive Player of the Year. If you look at his growth, and really that of the Utah Jazz, I think he's got better pieces around him. I think that's obvious. Gordon Hayward is an all-star this year. Uh, Trey Burke is no longer your point guard. You actually have another guy that you could consider for most improved player. Who uh, was signed away from the Indiana Pacers or traded away, and that's uh, uh, my guy George Hill, um, who's been killing it this year. Um, So, uh, but I think Rudy's got a lot better pieces around him. He's created a much better situation. And then the bronze one. This is ironic and really crazy to think about. Is Jabari Parker? Um, If you look at his, yeah, like you could, you could put, you could put Jabari in the first or second spot too. He, he's he been a really big surprise. There was a, a fear, I think, throughout the league that he just wasn't going to live up to expectation after that injury. And uh, he's super versatile, even more polished on the offensive end than uh, Antetokounmpo. And I'm, I think you're going to see later in the season, as they go into playoff time, he's going to be their fourth-quarter go-to guy because he is polished offensively. He's going to be able to get shots that other people aren't. He's going to be able to get to the line. He's a much more disciplined player that way. And uh, that's the whole Krzyzewski, uh duke one year of uh, teaching, I think, that kind of brings that out in him. Um, moving on to the next award was most outstanding player. Uh, this is something that we just kind of threw together. So most valuable player is different. The value of one player on a team is viewed differently than the outstanding player. Value, I don't think you can choose anything other than Westbrook. I think it's impossible. I think you can argue that Harden deserves credit, but there's no way that you can give it to anybody other than Westbrook. Outstanding player, though. I just don't think there's any way that you can deny that LeBron James, though I begrudgingly say it, is the best player in the NBA. This season. Absolutely. And really, we can go back for a while, and I think you could say that for a while. Uh, and scarily enough, you might be able to say it for a while. Uh, silver, I would give to Kawhi. Again, uh, two-way player, does everything. Very successful team, and uh doesn't hurt that uh, he's just a bit strange. The guy... Uh, plays for the Spurs. Plays for the Spurs. <laughs> I believe he, he drives a uh, used pickup truck. Um, I mean, just really interesting. Undrafted, I, yeah, I believe, right? No, no, no. No, not at all. That was a... Uh, it's funny, actually. He was traded for my guy, George Hill. Oh, Indiana. George Hill That's was right. uh, with the Spurs and was coming up great as a backup point guard. He thought maybe there was going to be some uh, issue with him playing so well behind Tony Parker. Did they need to get this kid more minutes? But uh, that was a draft-day mm-hmm. trade, sending George Hill to Indiana for the pick that became Kawhi Leonard. Uh, bronze, I gave Westbrook. Um, obviously... The only knock on Westbrook this year is his uh, turnover-to-assist uh, ratio. He's He's got a ton of assists. He's obviously averaging double digits, but his turnovers are, are nearly the same. Technically, he could end up averaging a quadruple-double if you conclude the negative uh, statistic.
0: I'd be excited if he did that. My most outstanding... Follows a little bit different rule. I am really looking at this year. Who is the most outstanding? I think LeBron is outstanding every year. But I think this year more outstanding is James Harden and Russell Westbrook. So I have Harden gold, Westbrook silver, which is, you know, understandable. My bronze goes to Kumpo. Guy's making headlines, making highlights everywhere he goes. Uh, haven't seen something like him, I feel like, for a little while. So, love what I'm seeing out of that. Going into our last two categories, I'm going to merge these two. We have Coach of the Year, we have Executive of the Year.
1: You know, and before you get into that, I almost think we shouldn't get rid of the Executive of the Year. And, and I'll tell you why. Well, what, right. we don't know their names. Well, not only do we not know their names, that's fair. Not only do we not know their names. But what's getting ready to happen over the next two, two weeks with the trade deadline, that that very well might end up telling you who oh. the executive of the year is. And to judge it now, Thankfully. all we're talking about is the draft, and we're talking about off-season trades. There's really been sure. nothing. You know, Miles Plumlee just got traded the other day to Charlotte for uh, Hibbert and... Uh, uh, some other white guy, I can't remember his that, name, but that one, uh, uh, Spencer Hawes. And so, you know, they made that deal, but that's really been the only real deal to talk about. Um, so, executive of the year, I think we just ax, and let's just finish it up with coach remove, of the
0: year. Remove that. I, I think that's fair. Um, my three for coach of the year, gold has to start with what has happened in Houston. Mike D'Antoni has really revived what it is that Houston can be. Um, Removing Dwight Howard's presence, allowing James Harden to become actually a point guard in that system, averaging over 13 assists a game, I think, over 12 at least, as well as close to 30 points. So he's done extremely well, also motivating the other guys. Uh, Silver goes to Scott Brooks, former Oklahoma City um, coach. This guy has gone to Washington and made a difference. They have currently the longest home winning streak at fifteen games in a row. And he's found a way to to get the guys to play together. And number three, bronze medal, has to go to another guy that just does it every year, Steve Kerr. Warriors really can kind of coach themselves at this point, but Steve Kerr did something to to get, you know, another superstar in Kevin Durant to come play for them and I uh, gotta give him at least a nod or a tip of the cap.
1: Well, and you just touched on something getting Kevin Durant to come over there. Part of the reason I did want to do the executive of the year is you kind of have to give it to the the Warriors. He's a gold and, winner, uh, yeah. Yeah, but and obviously I don't want to do that at this point. But so gold for coach of the year is uh, D'Antonio. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, with what he's been able to do with that roster, and I will tell you, much like Rondo. You put Rondo on a team with a bunch of spare parts, and they will get better because of his ability to lead and distribute the basketball. He's very intent and intense. And on defense, the kid can make a difference. I kind of view D'Antoni the same way because I think if you give him a terrible roster and one good player that he can facilitate his entire offense through, I think you can he can take a, a ragtag team and, and create more value out of it you mean like the lakers a few years ago because that
0: didn't happen
1: yeah well that wasn't ragtag enough you still had <laughs> and that really is honest to god that that really is the issue of taking a player like kobe and trying to put him in the middle of some crazy philosophical change you know it's much like what's been going on with Melo, where they're trying to trap this triangle offense around him it it just doesn't work so so D'Antonio is number one Uh, Silver, I'm going to go with Brad Stevens talk about a guy who can take spare parts and turn it into something Uh, Isaiah Thomas has been a cast off twice Um, always effective, never to this level you could even throw him in on MVP candidate Uh, so the effort level he gets out of his teams the consistently, the ball movement uh, the buy in that he gets and he just is no frills. I mean, the guy gets great productivity. And then the last one is Jason Kidd. Those Milwaukee Bucks, man. Their style of basketball is fun to watch. I, I touched on the fact that they're crazy versatile. But just an interesting, interesting team. And at the end of the day, go back and think about Jason as a player. What was he? He was amazingly versatile. He did everything. And Triple-double, walking triple-double. Absolutely. He was Russell Westbrook before Wes, Russell Westbrook. The only difference was uh, he didn't turn the ball over and he didn't score as much. Bingo. So, um, you know, Jason was a phenomenal player, and I think he's taken some of that same thought process in the way he approached the game, and it looks like his players are playing in that same versatile nature. Um, so, yeah. as we conclude, that's that's really the end of our NBA talk. We promised not to go this long on NBA Talk going forward. Um, it was just important for us to cover this. It's the sport I think the two of us are the most naturally passionate about. Um, and we kind of, we. I mean, at the end of the day, we had it on TV tonight. I think that's so, fair to say. Yeah. Yes. So, um, but. Anything going on this weekend? Yeah. We're sitting here. It's, it's <laughs> for another 20 minutes anyway, it's Saturday, February the 4th. In 20 minutes, it's Super Bowl Sunday. Now, what what are your thoughts as we head into uh, to this big day, obviously, in the sporting world?
0: Well, I love Super Bowl Sunday in general. It seems to be a national holiday of sorts where no matter where you go, no matter what you're doing, if you mention the game, you're going to get a response, and no matter what side you're on, it's going to be generally a friendly response, unless you're wearing the opposite. Opposing team's colors and going uh, a little bit deep. But I love it, personally. So, are you,
1: are you excited about the commercials?
0: I have been in years past. I've been disappointed as of last few years. What's the
1: last good commercial you can remember? For me, it's that Volkswagen commercial. Darth Vader, the kid. Do you remember that commercial? Okay, yeah. So sure. that's the last one I can remember. Last year was that stupid, stupid, I think it was Mountain Dew.
0: Puppy, Monkey,
1: Baby. Oh, yeah. I remember that one, too. And as much <laughs> as I hate it, you remembered it. Right. And so it was effective. And, it, you know, there's a reality to everything. And, unfortunately, no matter what the emotion is, the reality is you remembered it. So it was effective. It was, exactly. It was, and I don't know if it was worth the $5 million they paid for that 30-second spot or whatever they paid. But... Um, Terrible commercial. I mean, terrible. but
0: Doritos and Mountain Dew typically make an impact, and it's usually memorable.
1: But annoying. Yes. It's not cool. The VW (laughs) one was was clever and uh, not quite as over the top. Some of them do get a little bit over the top, but I I was reading this week that they're launching all these commercials early. So, like, the Today Show has been launching, hey, this is going to be an early... Showing of a commercial that's going to air during the Super Bowl, and I thought, why? Like a preview, yeah. Like, why would you do that? You take away the whole reason for that, that's become its own thing. So, why would you? It, it would be like, hey, we're going to show you a live scrimmage huh. of the Patriots and the Falcons so that you get to see what's going to well, happen on Super Bowl. No, Sunday.
0: but but I'm not going to watch the commercial now and then watch the Super Bowl so I can watch that commercial.
1: Well, what it does is it cheapens that whole thing so. People are paying all this money for that time because now you, you used to get up when the commercial would come on, go to the bathroom, you get another drink, you get some food, and you come back as the game starts. Now people are sitting there and waiting for those commercials. It's the one game. So the more you start doing that, I just got to think you're cheapening that whole thing and you're going to take those values down on that airtime. So I, I don't know. It's a, it's a weird, obviously not a sports conversation, but just it's just a weird Super Bowl Sunday kind of Thing to pay attention to well, i'll tell you what i'm
0: looking forward to billy is i heard there's a very intriguing commercial that uh lexus is going to do i heard there's a new vehicle a coupe coming out and uh commercial looks cool yeah i, but... I did see a preview of that it's got some uh professional dancer it's got a dj kind of going on and um the lc500 looks like an amazing car so I, I want to see that air live.
1: Yeah, obviously we gotta we got to approach this in full disclosure. As uh, Riley and I sit here, we are employed by a Lexus dealer. And the Lexus LC, it's probably the coolest, it, it is the coolest thing we've done since the LFA. Yeah. The LFA was kind of an untouchable dream of a car um, that was, uh, you know, in the $300,000 range. Um uh, The LC is not going to be quite that expensive. It's going to be a little bit more attainable, but as I say that, we're still looking in the hundred thousand dollar range, maybe
0: maybe below six figures.
1: Yeah, uh, as long as you don't mind uh, no AC and uh, uh, steel wheels or something like that. But uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting Um, because I know Lexus has dumped a bunch of money into advertising specifically around sporting events with the effort of gaining a new audience. And the cars certainly hold up that way. And uh, I think their marketing campaigns have been smart. But I'm excited about that commercial as well. But enough about that. What do you think about what's going on on the field? Oh, there's a game. Yeah.
0: Well, how many Super Bowls have the Patriots been to in the last uh, dozen years? Let's go it 15 years. Oh, that's right. Seven. This is going to be seven. And they're... Probably favored by a field goal, like they've won almost every and single I, Super Bowl I, I by think a field that is, goal. I
1: think that is what
0: it is right now. So my direct feeling is, you know what, they're going to win by three points. And it's probably going to be somewhere in the high 20s. And I don't think that Atlanta deserves to win the Super Bowl this year.
1: I hate that you feel that way, but I'm curious, why you think that?
0: Well, because of what the system of the NFL has done to Tom Brady. Oh. This guy has missed four games for basically no reason. And he performed at such a high level. 28 touchdowns, two interceptions, over 12 games. Won both of his playoff games in the Super Bowl. Why not one for the thumb? So Matt Ryan did some really good things this year. But given the circumstances of Brady... And Goodell and their relationship at this point. Um, I want to see what happens when the best quarterback on the planet wins another Super Bowl. And he has to come face to face with this guy giving him a trophy.
1: Yeah, like, do you really think there's going to be a weird moment there? Because Absolutely. No, like, it's going to be weird for, for us. I don't think it's going to be weird for him. No, I, yeah. come on, come on. Because Brady, I mean... In my head he's gonna have a, a wry smile and it's there's not gonna be controversy there, man. And
0: he avoided going to their games during the
1: playoffs. Now that was because of the fans, as I understand it, not about Brady. But you know Brady's too classy and too commercially cardboard to to do anything or to make any big event of it. Um I think there's gonna be a letdown there though. I mean, I think you can tell by my positioning on that statement that I'm not interested in them winning. I would prefer to see the Falcons win. I am going to be one of these guys that puts out the uh, Falcon fan for a day uh, Facebook post. But I will tell you... Tool. I I mean, being what it is. (laughs) Let me tell you, I lived in Indianapolis for a long time. a Bears fan, a lifelong Bears fan. But living in Indianapolis, I became a very strong Peyton Manning fan. And you can't necessarily be a Peyton and a Tom Brady fan. And whether – and the funny thing is if you talk to Peyton, I guarantee you Peyton would say, absolutely, like Tom's great and all that kind of stuff. But as a fan, you choose a side. It's just naturally how it is. And um, I just have never been a fan of Brady. I'm not going to discount what what he's become and what he is. um, But I I can't root for him. That Falcons team is impressive. You got a host of weapons, not to mention the things that I think are not getting talked about enough. Um, line play on the Falcon side. If you look at that running attack, and then they've got two two running backs that are better than any one running back that New England has. Because you've got obviously Freeman, but then you also have Tevin Coleman from Never heard of him. Indiana University. So. Um, I mean, you've got two running backs from Indiana University absolutely tearing it up in the NFL right now between Tevin Coleman and my Chicago Bears, Josh Howard. So, if you think about it, it's pretty impressive, you know, from a school that can't get a victory against any Big Ten team. Yeah, I thought they only played basketball. Yeah, believe me, for a long time I did too. That's how I ended up a Notre Dame football <laughs> fan and an IU basketball fan. But, uh, yeah, I would like to see the the Falcons win. Uh, Matt Ryan, I've never been a big believer and I thought he was talented, I just never thought he could get himself to this stage, but he has. That defense, I love, again, living in Indianapolis for so long, seeing Dwight Freeney have this swan song here. I actually love that, too. Man, and he looks good. He doesn't look like an old guy. He just looks strong out there. He's been good. Yep. And I think he's opened up a lot for those young guys, and um, there's something to that championship pedigree, even though a lot of people don't like to hear that. But having a coach that's been a part of these Super Bowls in recent history, now, lead that team. I just think it's changed the culture there. Yeah,
0: I'm not going to be disappointed if they actually end up losing to the Falcons because I can appreciate what they've built. Um, player wise, they do have a lot of former players from the team that I support, the Washington Redskins. You know, case in point, Kyle Shanahan who's about to become the head coach somewhere else... Sounds like in uh, San Francisco, right? ...is running the show there as an offensive coordinator. And, of course, he was the last offensive coordinator for RG3 in 2012 where they did great things. And almost got him killed, but
1: yeah.
0: Right. And uh, then there are two offensive linemen that also play for the Redskins. There's a wide receiver. There's a tight end. So I can support them, but number one reason I will not be rooting for them is because I want to see what happens when Tom Brady wins number five, when Bill Belichick goes up to the podium and Goodell's waiting for him. I, I just would love to see it, because I believe there's absolutely going to be an awkwardness to it.
1: I mean, there's going to be, but I honestly, I think it's going to be more from us paying attention to it than it is some sort of exchange between the two Well, right? the
0: crowd is going to be very clear on their position. Well, as soon
1: as Goodell walks up with the trophy, they're going to boo him. But
0: that's not only the Patriots. I mean, that's the majority of of stadiums. But given what he did to make sure that Brady served this punishment...
1: Has there been a more hated leader of a league than Goodell? No, there's
0: no way that he can be less than number one.
1: Because David Stern... I think in the NBA was always extremely well-received by both players and, uh, and fans. Uh, Paul Tagliabu was, you know, a, I, I think he was a great businessman, really set up the NFL very well for this long-term growth and, uh, always seemed to be well-received. Um, but I mean, we could talk about Bud Selig, maybe, maybe Vince McMahon for WWF, <laughs> uh, WWE these days, actually. But <laughs> yeah, um, but Bud Selig was one that wasn't being well received for a long time, um, but yeah, I don't think I can recall anybody that has experienced the experience a level of hatred from fans uh, that Roger Goodell has. Majority and,
0: of fans don't even know who the commissioner is of their sport, but would, they but most know, they know him though. Yeah,
1: I mean that probably also comes with that ten million dollar a year contract that he receives. Um, so I mean, you know, heavy is the head that wears the crown. So everybody's not going to be weeping for him, but you know, it's, it, do you think it's unfair? I like, don't no. think his stuff is warranted.
0: He has made some horrific decisions when it comes to discipline. He has made some very poor choices on appointing people to make those decisions and kind of make that process. And he's doing these things on the fly so you got to give him some kind of a break because no one's ever done it before.
1: Well, I agree with that too, and that's part of the reason why I wonder do we judge him incorrectly because of that? And I'm not one to to argue for the establishment. It's just not my it's not my way. I I always and I think you know this about me well enough is I kind of always choose just whatever's right, no matter what it is and how it makes me feel or how I prosper from it or not. I'll always just kind of side with whatever I feel is right. And the reality is, when it comes to this, I think the Ray Rice situation was unfair for him. You know, that's a difficult thing for him to have spearheaded this whole, we're going to be tough on anything that was, uh, you know, a black eye for the league. I mean, not yeah, no pun intended in that situation, but... Um, you know, it's certainly... There was no precedent before that on how to handle that situation. And I don't think there's any question he handled it poorly. Um, and unfortunately, they couldn't stop that video from coming out. That video... I don't agree with anything that happened with Ray Rice. There's just something that saddens me when somebody makes him, uh, one mistake in their life and it ruins their life. I, I, you know, it's too bad. That guy's offered to play for nothing. Donate all the money to, um, um you know, organizations that yeah. take care of battered women and, and things like that. And so, I just, you know, domestic violence groups all over the country still can't get a phone call. Yeah, yeah it's, it's really it's it's, sad, it's unbelievable, really. Yep, but you know, that whole Goodell thing part of it I think is unfair. The media, it, man, is that that is the topic lately, right? So. <laughs> I, I just don't know that I don't know that he should be this culpable for everything to do with the NFL. And I'll give you the reason why. Is if you look at the NBA right now, the relationship between the owners in the league and the players is great. And there's a few reasons for that. One was the sharing of profit. Two was the political stand. That Adam Silver took With an owner And made him sell his franchise Chose the players over the owner And more importantly chose A basic human right Over money Even if it would have cost him Brand new in his position Just as unfair for him to be put in that situation As it was for Goodell Put in the Ray Rice situation For Adam Silver to handle the Donald Sterling uh, debacle and do it the way he did with so much class and with so much support from the players' union, it feels like that has strengthened his position nationally and his viewpoint, and Roger Goodell never got a benefit of that. Even the Ray Rice situation, the NFL Players Association took an opposing view to everything that Goodell was doing, whereas the Players Association and the NBA was able to align themselves with Adam Silver. And I just don't know that Cadell has ever had the opportunity to better align himself because he's took over such an adverse situation. Well, the hindsight factor of
0: everybody criticizing him for only suspending Ray Rice for, what, two or three games after the report was laid down, and then, you know, a couple of weeks later... The video surfaces, and he's done for the entire year.
1: Well, and and remember, and this has been some time, it's difficult to think about this timeline, but allegedly he was done for the year after only the public saw it, but that he had seen it when he had only given him the four games. And that's
0: right. They, they say that that video was sent, that they saw it, that they received it, uh, confirmations on both sides that that happened. So, right. He saw it. He still only gave him two games, allegedly. And you look like an idiot, if that's the case, because so much outcry from the fans, from the media in general, and from, obviously, women protesting uh, that kind of act, to be disciplined that way, you become evil. And that's what he is viewed as now.
1: Well, it's uh, that's 100% true. It's, and it... Again, it still just becomes this crazy thing to me that one mistake ruins that guy's career. The same mistake kind of just marshed him. Well, it it marked Goodell poorly after that. Because if you think, he got put in all those crazy situations right after that. You've got Ray McDonald that was playing for uh, San Francisco. They end up cutting him. Chicago signs him. And then shortly after that, Chicago finds out he's got another charge, and they release him then. Um And then you get the Alden Smith thing, where he has the d u i and then after that he ends up um you know getting caught in this stupid situation where he's in an airport making threats, and Goodell's gotta juggle all these things that are ridiculous sure. and never should have happened and Unfortunately, the players association is always battling so staunchly for player benefits they never uh actually do anything about it. They're always taking the player's side in an effort to retain as much money as they possibly can. And um, I'm going to ask you this real quick. Is I know we're getting down to the point where we need to conclude everything for tonight. But um, did you hear this issue that the state of Illinois is having? That it's going to impair my Bears from making big moves this offseason? I have... Not heard of this. Apparently, there's some sort of, and I apologize for not being more specifically informed on this, but apparently there is a change in insurance law that's being lobbied for. Could end up being approved as early as this next week. And if it goes through, what it says is, is that if you're over the age of 35 with a pre-existing injury, insurance no longer has to do anything to help you. So, what? N- yeah. so now imagine you're an NFL player. Don't be and, old. And you're a free agent. Ugh. What Ooh. are the chances you sign with the Chicago Bears? Well, I can tell you this. Signing with the Chicago Bears right now appears to be a very slim chance, mainly because the NFL Players Association today issued a letter to all NFL players saying if you were a, a pending free agent for this coming offseason do not sign with the Chicago Bears because of this law change. Wow. That is brutal, man. Why Why would that happen? That's government, man. And unfortunately, as they pass those laws, you don't realize all the things that I mean, it affects. They don't have a
0: bunch of steel workers, do they?
1: Well, there's, there, I mean, there's no the yeah, union guys. Oh, absolutely. The Chicago's, Chicago's unions are legendary when it comes to that. I mean, Hoffa was there for a long time with those unions, Uh, you know, allegedly disappeared because of some of those Chicago-based unions. And uh, so, yeah, unions run deep, and certainly those blue-collar workers are plenty there. You just don't think about how it would affect sports. Professional sports. Not to say that that's what everybody should be concerned with. There's a lot more blue-collar workers out there that are uh, just as deserving of all those benefits and don't have near the income to help offset some of those costs. Very good point. But in saying that, we should probably bring this thing to a close this evening. Uh, Any final thoughts for you?
0: Uh, Well, I think that as we are now transitioning into Sunday, February 5th, 12.01 a.m., the Super Bowl will be played in about, let's call it, uh, 18 and a half hours from now. We need to make picks. Billy, who do you got? Give me a score. Give me a winner.
1: I'm going uh, Falcons with the win. And I think it's going to be 37-32 Falcons. Okay. I think you're going to see Julio Jones largely shut out in the first half. I think you're going to see uh, some activity from Tevin Coleman in this game that's going to break open uh, a few very big plays. And then I think you're going to see Julio Jones find a way to break free in the fourth, and uh, make some big plays to bring home a championship. It's a high-scoring game. It's you, a You win money league. in Vegas if you're it's betting a, that. It's a high-scoring league.
0: <laughs> uh, I'm a little more reserved than that. Just based on history, Patriots haven't scored much more than 22, 23 points in the Super Bowl. Uh, and they've been to seven of them. So I have actually a score of 23-20, to 20, my prediction with the Patriots, winning by a field goal. Is it going to
1: be a walk-off field goal?
0: I don't think so. I don't see that kind of drama. So it's going to be
1: like a late-game
0: Matt Ryan interception to In, seal the exactly. game. I exactly. See, I see the Falcons with a chance to win the game,
1: and they come up short. Well, that, um, you know, obviously there's a lot of uh, New Englanders that will be very happy to hear that call. And, yeah. then, and then you get your awkward moment. Break out the beers and let's party, <laughs> New England is. Well, um, as we close this out, anybody uh, that took the time to listen to us all the way through, just know that going forward, we're going to curtail this and probably keep it closer to 45 minutes. On our first time, we want to make sure to cover all the topics that we felt were pertinent and active in today's uh, sports uh, society. And uh, so we hope you enjoyed it. Any feedback that you have, feel free to send it to BADUNN, D-U-N-N, at TheExtraordinaryFan.com, and uh, we'll be sure to check out those. You can always uh, hit us up on Twitter at t Extraordinary F or Instagram at TheExtraordinaryFan. We also have our Facebook page, which is The Extraordinary Fan. Feel free to uh, contact us in any of those ways, and uh, we will be sure to be back here very soon as we plan to do this at least twice a month. So, uh, Riley, thanks for your involvement. Uh, everything's been mm-hmm. great. I uh, look forward to the next time.
0: Thank you guys for listening, and thank you, Billy. Cheers once again. Yeah. It's going down,